You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter number three, this morning. And, uh, you know, there's many amazing advances in our society in regards in, in the technological world. And one of the most fascinating and maybe one of the more disturbing, depending on your viewpoint, is that of artificial intelligence, uh, often just simply called AI. The tech world has produced some amazingly lifelike artificial intelligence. You ever seen any of this stuff? I mean, uh, I mean, it's th- these uh, robots, basically, that look like people. They can speak and sometimes they they move a little bit funny and and they're not exact. But I'm telling you, the more time goes, the more convincing uh, these uh, robots are. This artificial intelligence, they look just like they very closely resemble humans. They can speak. They can move. They even have faces that simulate emotion. And uh, and, you know, am I the only one that stops and thinks, have these people never seen Terminator you know, uh, but anyway, but, but no matter how lifelike these robots look and may appear, no matter how clearly they speak, no matter how complex uh, the, the reasoning that has been put into their minds, so to speak, that their computers are, the fact of the matter is, is they still are not alive. They really don't have life. So the one thing missing that these artificial, the artificial intelligence does not have is life. And, uh, you know, I, I begin to... There, there's another thing I think about as far as this. I, uh, I've recently been introduced to uh, these baby dolls. Not for me, myself. I don't play with baby dolls <laughs> anymore. Melanie told me she wasn't going to tolerate it anymore. It was just making her feel weird. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, I've never played with dolls. But, uh, but there's these new dolls uh, that are called reborn. Uh, they're called reborn baby dolls. Anybody familiar with that? Reborn baby dolls? Um, well, I, they're, and what they are is I found, I'm glad I found out a little bit about what they were because I have some friends that uh, have these. Uh, but these reborn baby dolls, they're often meant to remind you of some, someone or of some life or to resemble uh, a person. A lot of times if someone's had a miscarriage, they'll just have one of these, uh, what well, they call them reborn baby dolls, just to kind of remind them of that life that was lost. And regardless of your opinion of that, the thing is, is these things look lifelike. Uh, we actually convinced Natalie, and she's not in here this morning, so she's not going to find out that either. She's helping in uh, nursery in junior church, but anyway, uh, she, uh, we actually convinced her some friends of ours had, had another baby because we showed her the picture on Facebook. Yeah, there it is. But as lifelike as these reborn baby dolls look, there's, they're missing something as well. Life. Life. They're missing life. Uh, and you know, the, the, re, the way that I equate that to us today is this, that religion and morality can produce people who have a convincing appearance of spiritual life. See, Satan is very ingenious in this regard. Much like artificial intelligence, they can speak the language, 
They can mimic some of the actions. And sometimes they can answer every question. But there's something missing. And that something is life. See, it's called artificial intelligence. Artificial means humanly contrived. Humanly contrived, made or produced by human beings rather than occurring naturally, especially as a copy of something natural. See, Jesus talked about that, how that Satan would sow tares among the wheat. And so these tares would grow up among the wheat and then the, and then the harvesters would say, well, what should we do? Should we go remove all of the tares from the wheat field? When they're growing up together, you can't tell a difference. And he says, no, because you can't tell the difference. And you may take up some wheat when you're trying to take up some uh, tares. In other words, there's stuff out there that's artificial. There's something there that is uh, mimicking or what was the word? Uh, it's a copy of something else. And Satan is a he is an ingenious counterfeiter he's an ingenious counterfeiter and he offers a counterfeit and an artificial religion an artificial um, you know relationship with God and but I as I think about artificial intelligence my sermon title is going to be this this morning excuse me but are you real excuse me but are you real you know, you look at the artificial intelligence and you ask them that and they might just say yes, by the way. Um, but uh, but, but, the, but, but what, what makes them not real? What makes them not have life? And that's what we're going to look at this morning because it's similar really to what it means to lack spiritual life. Spiritual life. New life in Christ. And so with that in mind, if you would, uh, John 3, and I want to begin by reading the first seven verses, and I want to give you some very pertinent thoughts about life today. Are you really living life? Uh, Jesus says later on in the Gospel of John, I have come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Uh, and he's talking there about spiritual life, and we'll see that hopefully here in just a moment. John 3, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And I'll just pause right there a moment to say this. This man, Nicodemus, was a religious leader of his day. He would be equivalent to a, a priest or a pastor or some minister, only he would have been of the, more of the elite of that day uh, in that regard. But that's who this man was. The same came to Jesus by night in verse 2 and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles which thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, which is just truly, truly, he's emphasizing this, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And so, uh, whether you realize this or not, 
Did you know that everyone that you know that is living today, the reason we know that they're alive and truly alive is that they have been born? And if there's anybody sitting out there and saying, I didn't know that, well, I, we might better back up a little bit further, all right? But the reason that we are all alive, and if you've ever met anyone that's alive, they're alive because they have been born into this world. Now, that's an obvious question. I, I, I pause to let that sink in. <laughs> but what Jesus is trying to tell us is that for everyone that has... Because what did He say there in verse 6? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So when I talk about life, and when I ask the question this morning, are you real? What I'm, I'm not asking, physically speaking, you obviously have life. And there's times up here when I'm preaching when I question that. But it's clear for the most part that you have life. And I'm telling you, if I don't question it any other time, man, you've got to help the choir and us singers sometimes. Man, it's hard enough to stand up here and preach, but these folks that are coming here and trying to sing in choir, sometimes y'all look scary. Just give them a smile and amen and a something, you know, uh, every once in a while. But anyway... No, y'all do a, a great job. But, it's, but what I'm saying is, this, Jesus said that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So yes, you are obviously real physically speaking. In other words, you obviously have physical life. But here's my question. Do you have spiritual life? Now, if you have been born again, that answer is yes. But if you have not been born again by what Jesus is saying here, then the answer to that is no. And you say, well, I don't know what that means. Well, please bear with me just for a little bit because I would love to try to explain to you what this means. So first of all, let's consider this for a moment. The need for the new birth. The must of the new birth. And here's the must explained. When we go back to the Garden of Eden, we find God said this when He created man. He said, let us make man. And He added in our image. Man was created to be as much like God as a creature could be. God endowed him with intellect, emotions, and will. He gave him a body so that he could see, smell, taste, hear, and feel. Man's physical life was to be under the control of his mental, emotional, and volitional powers. Then God gave him something that set him apart from every other animal in creation. He gave man a spirit. See, man's body, uh, man's body made him world conscience. And enable him to live in a physical environment. Man's soul, so we are mind, we're, we're, I'm sorry, we're body, we're soul, and we're spirit. That we have a body, but God also made man with a soul. Now, what is our soul? Our soul this morning is our mind, emotions, and our will. Um, the soul made man self conscious aware that he's a distinct individual with attributes, nature, personality, potential responsibilities, and accountability. His spirit that God gave man made him God-conscious, aware that he existed to worship and serve his Creator. 
Moreover, the Holy Spirit of God in the beginning in the Garden of Eden worked in the spirit of man. So Adam and Eve were made. They had a body. They had a soul. They had a spirit. Each for different purposes. The body helps us relate to this physical world. Our soul helps us relate to uh, who we really are and, and, and our surroundings and, and, and how we use this body. And then the spirit helps us relate to God Almighty. So that's how man was made. Now, I'll just add this in here. When God created the animals, he gave each species its own particular behavior mechanism. A rigidly controlled, uh, originally controlled by what we call instinct. An animal does what it does because it is what it is. Dogs, eagles, salmon, bees, and all other creatures, they behave certain ways because they are locked into those ways of behaving by instinctive inner drives. Animals do what they do because they are what they are. Now, contrary to the humanistic teaching that is permeating our nation through the media and through secular education, God did not create man to be controlled by instinct. That's what was presented in the Garden of Eden, and that's a popular uh, belief today. It's not necessarily a popular belief because of, um, <laughs> because of uh, true thought, uh, but oftentimes it's because uh, it's, it's an excuse. You know, we, we do these things, it's just instinct. Man is driven by instinct. And, and I won't spend too much time on this part. It's a whole other message in and of itself. But you know, when you teach kids, and you, you, you teach kids from the time they're little to the time that they're grown, that they're just simply animals. They're just simply evolutionary uh, mistakes. Uh, you know, and... and, and uh, Whatever we, we just teach that all that really exists is material in this world and there's not truly a spiritual side of things and there's nothing beyond the material. And we tell them they're animals and then they go behave like animals. Right? And then, but then, then, we want, then the world wants to have it both ways. Because then we want to say, oh, that is so wrong what you did. Well, we don't, say, we don't really think what animals do is wrong. Anybody like watching nature shows? I mean, listen, I get bummed out sometimes when I see, you know, that nice zebra or wildebeest or, you know, whatever, taken down by a tiger or lion. And I enjoy watching their amazing escapes and all that, that stuff. It's all cool. But the fact of the matter is, we don't say, man, that crocodile ought to be convicted, uh, convicted of his crimes. But, but, but because that's just what they do. But we expect something different with human behavior. But here's the problem. We're, we're, society today is actually trying to have it both ways. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to say, oh, no, you're just... Well, for one thing, nothing's really wrong. Well, something's wrong if it's wrong to you. You know, truth has been relegated to with, with what we decide truth is. And it's amazing how we use that. <laughs> it, it, it's, just, it's just when it's convenient, though. We don't, want, we don't want the doctor, when we go see the doctor, we don't want them saying, so what's your truth? My truth is you have an illness, uh, or do you? Is it really an illness? Maybe it's just a state of mind. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? It's like we, it's a hypocritical thing. Okay, I'm getting back to my notes here. But I'm just trying to say that man, is, uh, man and animals are different. 
Men, men, women, boys and girls, humans were created with a spirit. And in and indwelling the human spirit, what God intended in the, in the beginning was the Holy Spirit to supply man's code of behavior. In man, the human spirit indwelt by the Holy Spirit energized the intellect, emotions, and will and monitored and controlled the senses. Thus man lived and moved and had his being. So that's how it was in the Garden of Eden. He had his body, he had his soul, he had his spirit. God worked in his spirit and his spirit was, uh, was uh, you know, led by what the Holy Spirit on the inside was doing. However... As many of you know, and spoiler alert, if you haven't got this far yet, uh, Adam fell. Amen. Uh, he, he, he and Eve fell. And when Adam sinned, the spirit was separated from God Almighty. See, and what death really is, is separation. You know, what, that's what death is. Spiritual death is separation from God. When is a person truly dead? When their soul departs from their body. That's death. Death is separation. God said something interesting in Genesis 2, 17. He says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I'll repeat that. He said, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God was not saying, Adam, as soon as you take that fruit, man, you're going to kill over in the garden and it's over. No. What did happen, though, on that very day is spiritually he died. Spiritually, Eve died. Spiritually, their sin separated them from God. And man was left with a sin principle in control of his behavior. His body became subject to disease and death. His senses were marred by imperfection and were subject to lust. His intellect, emotions, and will were impaired and became easy prey to evil and wronged. His spirit became a victim of false religion. Man in sin was not what God had in mind when He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Man in sin is a distortion of the image of God. You see, in sin, we allow our soul to be controlled by the five senses. So instead of us being controlled by uh, truly by the, the, the Spirit of God working through our spirits to do right, we're controlled by, uh, more by the body, by our senses. We, uh, when, when we experience this new life in Christ, the new birth, we allow the Holy Spirit to control our soul. What's our soul? Our mind, emotions, and our will. And there's many other subcategories there. But the, the, the need, here's the point. Man's, need, man's spiritual need is greater than baptism can fix. Uh, baptism is a, is, a, is a religious ritual. By the way, we want to have a baptism here. Very soon we want to have a baptism. Uh, and we want to, uh, for those that haven't followed the Lord and believers' baptism, get baptized uh, and, and, and open the doors for those that also are interested in uh, joining the church as well. But listen, baptism is not salvation. The problem is deeper than salvation. The problem is deeper, I'm sorry, than baptism, okay? So the baptismal waters, uh, it, it's greater than that can cleanse. And it's greater than willpower uh, can accomplish, than choosing to be religious. See, a dead spirit 
results in a distorted soul. What I'm trying to emphasize is this. Why we need life is because our spirit is dead. Um, And that's evident from the moment that we are born. We are missing something. Man is on a quest to find something. People try religion and many people find out when they try religion. Well, this isn't it. And you're right. Because you don't need to. You can try religion if you want to. But what you really need is Jesus. It's not a what, it's a who, amen? You need Christ. See, you need, because you have something in you that was created to communicate with your Creator. You were put on this earth for a reason. You are not a cosmic accident. You are purpose. You are chosen. You were put here for a reason. There's a God in heaven that loves you and knows you. And He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to be spiritually alive. Because until your spirit is alive and connected with Him, uh, listen, uh, for one thing, He's going to, I believe, be heartbroken. And you are going to be always looking for something else. Um, And so, a dead spirit results in a distorted soul. To varying degrees, everyone's soul has been infected and affected by sin. Nobody's soul is naturally intact. And it's very deceptive. It's very deceptive. See, spiritual transformation fundamentally is the healing of our souls. But first, we need a spiritual transformation in the spirit. See, again, the soul is the self, your inner being. Your soul is not your body. Your body is merely the casing for your soul. And I know it sounds weird to say that who you look like isn't really who you are. Who we really are is on the inside of us. Amen. Our souls are who we really are. And that's one people we don't judge people by uh, their outward appearance and things of that nature. And uh, but but because your body is just the casing for your soul. Most people settle. Listen to this. Most people settle for soul management. See, our souls are distorted. Our souls are broken. In other words, our mind, our emotions, our will. They're, they're kind of unguided. They're kind of misshapen. They're, they're not exactly what God intended them to be. They're lost, is what the Bible says. And a lot of people try to find ways to manage that. To make that a little better. To uh, kind of... Maybe polish it up a little bit, you know, add a little bit of makeup here and there, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, But see, many people are okay with soul management, but God says we need soul transformation. We need to be transformed. And we cannot be transformed from the outside in. We must be transformed from the inside out. We must be transformed by the Spirit of God working in our spirits. That's true with salvation. That's true in sanctification. This is a whole, that's a whole other part of this message. I hope you'll follow the thought and study this on your own. But what I'm telling you is, is God is the one that does the work. Uh, oftentimes, churches just try to do this outside pressure of conformity. 
to try to make you fit into this certain mold. Uh, and, you know, they just want basically a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, holy robots uh, that are walking around saying the same, same thing, looking the same way and so forth and so on. And they're trying to manufacture, in other words, uh, very artificially rather than allow God to produce the fruit from within. But that, that's also uh, the same thing. So spiritual transformation. Most people settle for soul management, not for soul transformation. They just keep trying to keep their souls under wraps, to make them behave. And even if they can't keep their souls under wraps, they try to keep their bodies from obeying their souls. They try to hold the soul down so it doesn't fully express itself. But here's the thing. The point that I'm trying to make is this. We're, the reason we lack, we lack spiritual life and that's why we need a soul transformation. Jesus called it being born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. We all have physical life. But if you have not been born again, then you don't have spiritual life. You don't have spiritual life, okay? So we see the, the, the must uh, explained, the must of the new birth. But let's consider the method a little bit. You say, okay, well if... I need to be born again. How does that happen exactly? Nicodemus, it's, it's kind of humorous, by the way. By the way, I, when, when you read your Bible, find the humor there. Find the excitement. The Word of God is an amazing book. And it's a little humorous. Not to make fun of Nicodemus, but it is kind of a question. Okay, Lord, Jesus, you want me to be born again? Can I enter the second time into my mother's womb and be born the second time? I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a crazy question. But Jesus goes on to say, no, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Okay, the method. How am I born again? Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1, 2, 3. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Quite simply, here's the good news. Spiritual transformation, being born again, is a simple act, if you will. Now, how many of you know that religion doesn't always make things simple? You know, and there's, they lay out so many ways to God... I mean, there are so many, uh, you know, hoops to jump through and, uh, and poles to limbo under and one to climb over. And, and, and how many of you know sometimes it can even get downright expensive? <laughs> well, the good news is, is that it is expensive, but Jesus paid the price. Amen. The price was the lifeblood of the perfect son of God. He paid the price. So the money part's taken care of. So that's good news. But I got some more good news. The spiritual part, it's a very simple thing. He says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. The, the Word of God is called seed. It relates, and we can, we can relate to that. We can relate to planting seed in the ground. And if that seed falls on good soil, and that's my prayer today. There's good seed going out, being sown. And I just pray that it finds good ground. To rest on. So that it can get down into the ground. Into that good soil. And that it can sprout up. Alright. But he's talking about being born again. Uh, the, the, but the seed of the word of God. He says born of the spirit. But then he also mentions the working of the word of God. 
Just like there has to be something in order for a in order for conception to place, take place, the seed of man and the seed of woman, if you will, the seed of man, the egg of woman must come together, and it's an absolute miracle. It's awesome, amen. To think about how that how that happens. But there's two things at work there. And it's the same thing here uh, in the, the Word of God, what He's trying to teach us. The seed of the Word of God and the working of the Spirit of God. So quite simple, if I could put it in simple terms, it's this. God's Word is the good news. He tells us the seed of God's Word is planted. And the Gospel, the good news, is a fairly simple thing. How you can be born again, as Jesus calls it. How your soul can be transformed by the birth of the Spirit. And it's just simply this. You hear the Word. You hear the Word. The good, what's the Word? The Word is this. The Word starts, by the way, before you can get to the good news, you've got to accept the bad news. The bad news is, the Bible says, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is there any among us that haven't sinned? Somebody says, well, I've sinned, but I'm trying to make up for it. Well, that's a wonderful thing to do. But sin is not to be made up for. Your sin, in order to be made square with God, must be taken away. Washed away. All right? And so, uh, but, so and that's where Jesus comes in. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the sinless Son of God came to this earth... And He took your sin and my sin upon Himself. You know why? Because sin, as I mentioned, has a price. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus, when He died on the cross, what a happy day this was for me, by the way. And I hope maybe you can give me a witness out there this morning. It was a happy day when I realized why Jesus went to the cross. Why He died. Why He shed His blood. Why He rose again the third day. Why was it a happy day? Because I realized it was for me. Hallelujah! And, and the seed, the, the, what I'm trying to plant into your heart today is this. That's what He did for you. He died on the cross. He rose again the third day. And so, uh, and, he, and he simply says this. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. As I'll, I'll mention just in a moment. Uh, but but he's, what he's trying to tell us is this. By faith we're saved. In other words, we hear this message. We admit that yes, Lord, I am a sinner. I want you to forgive me of my sin. And I want you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. The Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so we believe from our hearts and we cry out from our hearts to the Lord uh, for salvation and for Him to forgive us. It's not merely enough just to believe in God. Amen. Believing in God is commendable. Believing in God is wonderful. Believing in God, by the way, is very reasonable, I would add. Uh, uh, very reasonable. Uh, but, but you know the devils believe in God? The Bible goes even further to say that the demons of hell believe in God and tremble. Did you know there is no such thing as an atheist demon? They don't exist. There's no such thing as an, as an agnostic devil. They know that there is a true God. They, but guess what? They know it. They believe it. The demons of hell believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day. They know that He's God. They, they know all this. But see, but, but what this illustrates is what, what true belief is. 
True biblical belief is not just, yeah, sure, I believe that. It is resting on that. It's what you did when you come sat your rear end down in them chairs this morning. I mean, have you, have you ever seen a chair you didn't want to sit in? We, we, used to, we, we, just, we just recently, maybe some more than others, amen? But we just recently uh, uh, got rid of, a, of, a, uh, of a, a dining room set as far as the table and the chairs and, uh, and using uh, my wife's grandma's. I don't know how old it is, but man, it's held up a lot better than that set that we bought, you know, five, six, seven years ago. But we had a couple of them chairs and uh, there are some of you kids that can attest to this. We had one of them chairs, man, and it wasn't the kids' fault. I say this because we'd have kids over the house and it seemed like forever one was breaking one of the little holders in between and this and happened. It wasn't their fault. It was the cheap uh, furniture, I guess. But there was a couple of them chairs, one in particular, that it, you could say, sure, I believe that chair would hold me up. But we would always try to move that chair around the table. And we'd always try to find the smallest, skinniest person and say, hey, sit in that chair, amen? Because you'd see, and sometimes we'd forget though, and you'd see somebody come sit in that chair and they'd sit down and they'd just kind of go, you know, and the legs are all this way and you're like, oh my gosh. Um, Why? Because, see, you can have faith in that chair if you want to, but the reason you, what what showed that you had uh, faith in that chair this morning is you plopped right down in that chair. I didn't really see anybody checking the chairs this morning before you sat down. If you've been over my house a time or two, maybe you've learned to do that. Uh, But, see, but here's the thing, see, here's where some people go wrong. They say, I've got faith. What'd you say, Ralph? In what? If you were to come into our house and say, I've got faith in that chair right there. See, faith is only as good as its object. I've got faith. Some people have, some people literally have faith in my faith. Okay. Sounds good. See, faith is only as good as its object. Saving faith is not just saying, oh yeah, I believe. Saving faith is when we rest. When we say, oh oh my goodness, Lord, I need You. We're resting our eternal souls in Him. We're realizing that. So the method expressed, I love what the Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter number 2. It expresses this very clearly about life. Are you real? Uh, He says this, and you hath He quickened, which means to be made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, talking about the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But I like this, but God. See, we were all lost at one time, but God. You know, somebody this morning, this could be your but God day. This could be your but God moment. Amen. Uh, I had a preacher years ago. I don't like saying it because it almost sounds reverent, uh, irreverent, but he says, I'm glad that God butted in one day to my life. But God. But God. And so what I mean by that is this. In our souls, in our fallen state, in our spiritually dead state, we're blind. We're deceived. 
We, we naturally tell ourselves we're okay. Even though deep down we question, are we really okay? Are we really okay? Uh, but see, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we need to realize and admit and be shown. The Bible says, but God who's rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us even when we were dead in sins. And that's the good news, isn't it? He loves you no matter who you are, what you've done. It does not matter. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'll skip down just for time's sake. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. One thing you need to understand very clearly is this. You can't work for this salvation. You can't be good enough for this salvation. In fact, you need to admit that, Lord Jesus, you're the only one that is good enough. Amen. And so uh, the method expressed, and then I want to just say, lastly, uh, the matchless experience. The matchless experience of salvation, of being born again. I like what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 18, later on in Ephesians 2. It says, for through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. See, the Spirit within our spirit gives us access. Have you ever been denied access? I've admitted these kind of things to you before. I can be a little bit of a stinker, I guess. But if I go to a ball game, and after the first little bit of the game, uh, there's nobody sitting in them seats way down there that I couldn't afford. I start thinking, well, why not? They're not selling them, you know. So, uh, so, uh, so, so, so there's been times I've, you know, and, and the trick is, and oh man, forgive me, but the trick is don't make eye contact with the usher. Act like you know exactly what you're doing and where you're going, all right? And so somebody's going to go get kicked out of a game and come back and say, why'd you tell me to do that? I know, y'all pray for me, all right? But, uh, but I've had times where they say, can I see your ticket? I've had other times, man, I went to a Timberwolves game years ago. I wouldn't do this now. I don't think, I don't know. But it's years ago. All right. But uh, we, I went to, a, I, didn't, I, was, I was going to see the Charlotte Hornets play. And this is going on back before they went to New Orleans and then come back to Charlotte again. This is going back years ago. Uh, but we went over there and, uh, man, we went right, I went down to the players tunnel just to see the players coming out. And I got to look out and I'm like, well, there's a couple seats right there. And I can't remember, I think it was me and Caitlin and uh, maybe it's me and Hannah. I can't remember. We, we, there, there's two seats right there and we're sitting there and we're enjoying the game. And literally, we've got, if you've ever saw them, there's these four tickets, four boxes of hot tamales and four pops for like 10 bucks and the four tickets. But I mean, I'm telling you what, it's dizzy up there when you climb up to them seats <laughs> that you bought for that little package there. That's where we were at. Well, that's where Melanie was at, amen? But I was down there on the floor. But pretty soon, people started looking around and saying, do you know so-and-so? These were season ticket uh, spots. Do you know so-and-so? Uh, nope, <laughs> I sure don't. Uh, and it's like, well, you know, sometimes they come even after the first quarter, so they knew what we were up to. And I thought, well, and my, my point is there's been times I've tried to go somewhere that I don't belong, and my access has been denied. 
There's been times I've tried to move down to that lower section. You say, I'm not listening to you preach anymore, amen. You're an awful person. Well, if I knew, you, you know what I believe? I, I heard this years ago and I believe it. Somebody said that if you knew how bad I was, you wouldn't listen to me preach. But they said, but if I knew how bad you were, I wouldn't waste my time. Amen. But, uh, but no, the truth of the matter is this. My access has been denied before. And the Bible says our access to God is through the Spirit. And you know what Jesus said? He says, if you come not in by the door, if you don't come in by the way that I've designated, He said you're a thief and a robber. You can't come in. Access denied. See, the good thing, with, the reason I don't get those tickets is because I can't afford them. Uh, or if, even if I could afford them, I'm probably just too cheap. I don't know. But here's the good news with access to God. It's paid for. Amen. See, Jesus offers this to all. We went to an event, man. We went to a fun uh, little political rally on Thursday morning. It was so much fun. Uh, I downloaded these tickets. We didn't even need the tickets. Uh, we just got in because it was a free event. And you know what? That's how salvation is. It's a free event. Amen? I mean, you are welcome in. You just must be willing to come His way. His way. The matchless experience. Amen? When, when a person comes to Christ and accepts Him as Savior, the blood of Christ cleanses him from all sin. He's converted is another word. See, we use there's these, there's these interchangeable terms. Let's all stand, please, as I give you this last little bit. There's these interchangeable terms. Born again, saved, converted. But they all mean the same thing. If, if, what, and they all tell us of something that God works in our hearts and our souls. You've heard the Word of God. The Spirit of God is working on your heart. Now, it's up to you. Now, it's up to you. If you have not been born again, are you real? Are you just artificial? Do you have the real thing? You ever get your money checked when you're out places? You know why they do that? To check for a counterfeit. Because it's not a good feeling if you get slipped a counterfeit. And listen, if, we're, if you're counting on being a good person, that, that's good for this life. If you're counting on your religion, that, that's okay to live by. But here's the problem. It's not okay to die by. I'll tell you that for sure. And by the way, it's not that great to live by. Anybody, amen? Right? Jesus, this is the abundant life, amen? When you experience life transforming salvation, and then you begin to live out and let God work through your life. Isn't it good to be saved, church? Amen. And if you have not experienced what it means to know Him today, I encourage you, would you please do your part? What's my part? Just to simply call out to Him in faith. That's it. It's not hard. We don't have to go through some long, drawn-out thing. You may have questions, but salvation itself is simple. Are you listening? The Lord loves you and wants to save you. He paid a great price for you to be saved. What did I say earlier? Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. And you accept it. How do you accept it? By faith. Would you be willing to accept that gift right now? Would you be willing to accept that gift from God if you haven't done so and be born again? If you would, I would ask you, and I would invite you right now, to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved or born again or converted. 
All you must simply do is this. You must simply bow your, your heart to the Lord and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Would you pray that with me today? Just within your heart. You don't even have to do it out loud. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Will you please forgive me of my sin? Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. And if you've done that this morning, you can, you can continue on just for a moment and say this. Thank you, Lord, for giving me eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for giving me eternal salvation. But I want to say this this morning. It's not just a prayer from your head or from your mouth, but it's from your heart. It's not relying on Him and your religion or Him and your good works. It's realizing that it's just Him. It's just what He did. Heavenly Father, I thank You, dear God, for Your amazing grace. I thank You for the life, God, that You breathed into my heart one day. The light that You brought into my darkness. And I've done my best this morning to try to communicate what it means to be born again, Lord. God, and I pray, God, for anyone here today, God, that doesn't know what it means, that they will before they leave today. I pray for anyone that may have just, just maybe they just now did call on Your name. And maybe they may be standing there saying, well, I don't feel very different. Well, it's not about feelings. It's about faith.